Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 182. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com. So we're welcoming back to the show the uh, the famed writer and artist, Caleb Palmquist. Caleb, Hi. how are you doing? Welcome back. Good. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. And you're, and you're, here, to, you're here to talk to us about your next kickstarter for unicorn vampire hunter but you're doing something a little bit different you're actually having issues four and five coming out in this kickstarter that's right that is awesome okay so what was the is it you you got too many stories to tell and you're just trying to kind of consolidate them a bit so what was the story on doing issues four and five together for this one um uh, overconfidence you know hubert (laughs) (laughs) Um, i uh wanted to finish the first story arc um i had seen some other creators have success doing the final two issues as one kickstarter um the the big um inspiration is uh curtis clow who does beastlands um he did um his issue four and five together um and that was very successful and i'm always telling curtis that you know i just copy everything that he does uh, <laughs> so um and then but i'm kind of uh going a little bit above and beyond just offering issue four and five because on this campaign i'm also offering a one-shot dungeons and dragons adventure that is another story in canon that takes place during the events of issue five um, really so- essentially another issue's worth of story. Yep. So, so my, so my question for you, Caleb, is that, is this a parallel story? So these are brand new characters that people can play or are they able to play any Canon characters established already in issues one through three? So um, on my last campaign uh, last year, I actually did a role-playing game starter guide, which right. gave rules for how to play as the main Canon characters. Um, so the in this new one shot you could play as the as the existing characters if you wanted to um, but i'm also including information on how to uh, create your own characters or play as new characters that are basically other creatures of the magical marsh um, that are sent on this mission um, that coincides with the events of what's happening um, in issue number five Okay, so you don't have any basic uh, archetypes, player archetypes that that are part of this adventure story. Um, uh, pre-made I guess, characters. Oh yeah, no, we there are uh, four pre-made characters that will be in okay. the adventure. Um, uh, so <laughs> the the four playable characters that we have included are a centaur, a pixie, a satyr, and a hedgehog. Okay. So when you made when you decided to draft out this adventure, why are these named player are these named characters or are these gener- a generic centaur that someone can play a generic satyr a generic so, hedgehog or are these player are these named characters? They are. Uh, they have names. They don't. Okay. They appear in the background of uh, previous issues. They were okay. in 
issue two and they will be in issue five but um they're not named in the regular comic they're like background characters because the okay in the story of unicorn vampire hunter all the characters live in this place called the magical marsh which uh which is protected from evil forces and and it's basically a commune of different magical creatures that live in peace there um so You've got all, all the all the classic uh, sort of woodland creatures that live there, right? So now I know we talked about it last episode when you're talking about getting your characters and you had in those uh, uh, you know fifth edition character sheets made. Now, talk to us about how you integrated the magic system, like the fifth edition magic system, into your adventure. I mean, the thing is, is that Unicorn Vampire Hunter is a, is like a classic fairy tale. Um, and right. so the magic of Dungeons and Dragons works uh, pretty well. I uh, honestly, uh, when we were creating the character sheets for like Seamus the Wizard and um, Isadora, who is a, a marsh nymph, but she's a druid, like right. it was very easy to just pull spells that already existed. Um, and we okay. didn't really have to invent a whole lot. Um, but um, yeah, I, I guess the, the major thing that we invented is uh, the, the rules for um, changing into a unicorn. But um, anyone who's familiar with D&D, there's like a lot of lycanthropy um, in D&D, like uh, werewolves yeah. and jackal wares and all that kind of thing, uh, were ravens. And, and it's very similar to that. Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I should I should probably brag about how tough it was to integrate our, our <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> you know, D and D is such like a versatile system that it was um, it, I, it felt like a natural fit. Right. Okay. For those that are listening and watching this that have collected issues one through three, what what can they expect in uh, issues four and five? Okay. So, issue four is, I think, my favorite issue. Um, okay. I mean, I like all of the issues, but issue four, I've really been looking forward to um, because uh, um, this only very minor spoiler, but at the end of issue three, Edward goes looking for his father. Um, and so issue four is like very much like uh like a side quest because um the the way i think of it is always like um you know obi-wan kenobi going off on his own adventure the b story but so edward but he's going to he's going to find his father at the castle where he grew up and and but the thing is like a lot of time has passed and the castle is not the same place and his father is not the same person and okay so discovering that and learning new things about his past is all part of issue four and issue four is easily the darkest issue of the series so far um and then issue five brings everything to a head so um in issue four we we're we're following edward we're just following edward on his adventure but then in issue five we're like well what was happening with isadora and seamus and uh, Jezebel and the witch and Enrique. And we know that 
um, for those of you who have read issue three, issue three left off on uh, quite a cliffhanger, but issue four doesn't answer any of those questions. Um, issue five does, and issue five. Oh, okay. Very... Issue five back all together, and that's and that's also a little bit of the reason why we're doing issue four and five together, and it's also the reason that I felt comfortable with not answering those questions in issue four because. Um, because you're going to get issue four and five at the same time. And, at the same uh, time. Yeah. So mm -hmm. issue five ties it ties it back together. Um, it's the big climax. Uh, all of the, well, I should say there are three major um, scenes that really put a bow on some emotional character arcs and relationship arcs. Um, and uh, and then the issue five ends with uh, setting up for the next arc because, of course, we're not done. Um, but but it is the conclusion of the story that I wrote ten years ago um, when I originally wrote the draft of Unicorn Vampire Hunter. It was called Jezebel and the Unicorn, and um, the story I wrote actually ends with issue five. Okay, um, so. In, in a lot of ways, uh, issue five is the culmination of something I've been working on for a long, long time. And then, but it also opens the door to something brand new, which I'm really excited about. Okay. So you had a really good piece of advice that you gave uh, a couple episodes ago about making your, making your titles be based off of what your story is about. Yeah. <laughs> so as you're as you're working on unicorn vampire hunter and va and vampire detective in space um is you do you have it yet like you said are you hinting at a new project or a new storyline in so in one of these what, established worlds? what i'm talking about now is that there's another storyline like um i will okay. there will be issue six um seven and so on um i've plotted out um i want to say 15 issues um, of Unicorn Vampire Hunter, but okay. to your point about naming things, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I have several projects that are kind of in the works and I have, I have really thought about, you know, how can I pitch the book just by, just with the title. And I right. think a, a lot of the success of Unicorn Vampire Hunter um, has come out of um, the title because it, I don't even need to show anyone the book. If I tell them what the title is, they're already conjuring images in their head. Um, and then of course, when they do see the book, it's beautiful. So, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. right. So let me, so uh, with this, with this Kickstarter, as we said, you're doing issues four and five together. Um, what are some of the new things that the audience and your readers uh, can expect uh, within this Kickstarter? Like what are some of the rewards? Yeah. Okay. So there's issue four and five with the standard versions. Right. Um, and then we have variant covers. We have two variant covers for each issue. Um, we had uh, David Brame, who's done variant covers for every single issue of the series. It did one for four and five. And then okay. um, a new guest artist, Matthew Warlick, did some really beautiful and spooky covers for number four and five. Um, and those are available as add-ons or parts of bundles. And then we've got the RPG book, obviously. Yes. Um, 
and then we have uh, a new sticker um cool. which um by the time uh this the this podcast goes out the um images of that sticker will be on the on the campaign and and then we've got two new trading cards and i've done trading cards on um on every campaign since um unicorn vampire hunter number one including the other books that i've done and i keep trying to not do trading cards but i I did a, a survey of my uh, my email list asking people what uh, what rewards they were interested in, and so many people wanted me to keep the trading cards. Um, and so um, the collection of Unicorn Vampire Hunter trading cards uh, just keeps growing. I think uh, I want to say there are going to be like 14 now, maybe. Wow, um, okay. So, yeah, um, and then uh, there's a few other odds and ends, but um, the, the the big highlights are issue four, issue five, RPG. There's some very oh wait, the the biggest one that I completely forgot about is we're doing this uh, fantastic collector's box. So oh, okay, um, we've got a this this really high quality. Uh, soft touch, uh, magnetically sealing collector's box with a cover that was actually painted by uh, Jeremy Treese. Okay. Uh, a really awesome artist that I've been working with since the very beginning of my uh, comic book career. And um, so I'm super excited about that. That's going to be, that's, it's a, a box that will be a beautiful display piece and can hold all your issues of Unicorn Vampire Hunter. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of the big the big ticket item. And when I did the uh, my survey of of my email list, asking them what kind of rewards they wanted, that was the number one most popular item was this collector's box. So, and that also in there doesn't that also comes with a print as well, like any. Yeah, yeah. We we have a print of a map that was made by Clifton Chandler, who's a okay. designer of the magical marsh um and so i'm going to be offering that print with some of the levels on the campaign um so with the map was included in the um in the rpg uh starter guide that i did last year that will still be available on this campaign uh, okay. but i thought it would be cool to offer that as a as a print add-on okay and now it's daryl toe is still uh, is still um uh, drawing it too as well oh yeah daryl daryl is uh is still drawing it i've uh um you know somehow tricked him into into sticking <laughs> around i uh um he's he's currently drawing issue number five as the campaign progresses um he's drawing it and um i've already talked uh you know pitched the second arc of the story to to Daryl that would be issue six through ten and right. uh, and he's on board for that so as long as I can keep tricking him to into uh, into drawing for me then uh, then he'll be sticking around right and I and I we, we, we talked about this last time but I'm just curious as well as like will we see maybe not us as a reader since we haven't been in your head but have you seen issues four and five any of the stories? change from your initial outline uh based off of either reader feedback or or or, or daryl's feedback on 
how things should change. So has how much has the story arc changed from your first inception of the idea? Uh, since I first came up with the idea, like 10 years ago, it's changed a lot. Um, okay. In fact, issue number four is honestly, um, you know, I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> I almost don't want to say this, it's going to ruin my cred as a, as a writer, but the idea for issue four is Daryl's. Okay. Uh, he, he was like, what if Ed, Edward goes and sees his father and then I don't like the what happens next is like a little bit of a spoiler but um but the 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 basis of the idea was daryl's and then i and then i kind of fleshed it out from there and then um in issue number five the the big final climax is something that i had envisioned a long time ago but the exact way that it plays out has changed a lot and i had i had a a lot of long conversations with daryl I had a lot of long conversations with a couple of friends of mine who have been uh, beta readers. Uh, the the fates of the of the various characters have changed a lot over time, um, but the core of the story is still there. Mm. Um, yeah. Now, when, so I guess my question too for you then is for follow up to that: Did some of the story change based off of? story flow or based off of target audience? That's a tough question. I, a little bit on target audience. Um, Mm. What I'll say is this is an all ages story, um, but as we get into issue four and five, it does get darker. Mm. Um, I have pulled back on some of the darkest elements, although, um, the 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 character arts arcs i think do get pretty raw um i would say that most of the changes were for the benefit of the characters like Mm. um what's going to be the most convincing character development And, and my goal always when i'm writing is that i want the person reading the story to cry. Um, that's my that's my number one goal. And I am like a softie. I when when I was younger, I used to say I never cried during movies and stuff. And now I'll cry during a commercial. Uh, so I I mean I I cry at the drop of a hat, you know. Um, but I uh, I really want the relationships between the characters to be meaningful. Um, and so that's where most of the changes uh, have come from. And and you had uh, Dave Lentz, your your letterer. He's been an integral part in this as well. Oh yeah, no, of course. Um, Dave is notorious for never reading my scripts until he's literally re- uh, lettering the comic. Um, but then he will make changes as he's lettering because he decides that you know that he can write the dialogue better. And sometimes. <laughs> <he's right. laughs> Um, but, uh, no, he's, uh, Dave is a huge influence. Um, and, uh, you know, he, uh, he really makes the difference on, on, in the final, the final delivery of the product. And so how much of, uh, I remember what you're talking about, some advice that you would give to other, uh, comic book writers is, you know, to find your own Daryl and to find your own Dave as well. 
um, oh, to make a successful comic. Yeah. Just to now that you're on episode episode as far as now you're on issues four or five. You also have some other successful ones. What? are some of the advice you would give to a comic writer right now that you wished you knew on issues one and two use backer kit <laughs> uh i wasn't using that um at first now backer kits launched their own crowdfunding platform but um it's just like such a huge help there's a lot of little tools that i didn't mm. have that i wasn't using uh what the most i mean honestly like I, I couldn't possibly give anyone advice or myself advice about how to make a comic that people are going to want to read. I still don't know. Um, but I could give plenty of advice about the business of making and fulfilling comics because um, it's a, you know, that's the, that's the really time intensive part. I mean, the amount of work that I was talking to Miles Greb, who writes After the Gold Rush, mm. um, and we were talking about you know, the most time intensive part of doing this whole Kickstarter gig is fulfilling books. I mean, um, you know, after I get done talking to you, I'm going to go try to knock out a bunch more for my last campaign, uh, you know, shipping books out to people. And, um, and there's just a lot of tools that make that easier and faster. Backer kit is one of them. And then, um, you know, just like good organization. And, um, yeah like and i would say i I guess if i was trying if i was trying to give some like really earnest like sort of cheesy advice it'd be like be grateful because um it can be easy to get bogged down in like the business of everything and 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 be like oh well the reason that i'm spending hours and hours and hours and hours like you know getting tape all over my fingers is because you know, 500 people wanted to buy this thing that I made, which is pretty great. Uh, right. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and so, and also too, it's to, to your, your tier level, you're pretty famous in putting in early birds as well. Are you, is there I'm any not, early bird? No, I'm not. I, I'm not. So I, this is actually, I, I did some early birds in my very early campaigns, right. but I, um, uh, earlier I said that, um, uh, Curtis who does Beastlands, I copy everything he does and he right. always does early birds. And I was always like, I'm really skeptical, um, of the early birds. Um, thought it seemed complicated. Um, but he made a pretty good argument to me that, you know, people get really excited about it and it's, it rewards people who get in early and, um, so, you know, I, on almost every level that I have, um, all the physical levels for this campaign, there are early bird rewards. So if you get in within the first 72 hours, you'll get a discount on, right. on the books. And I've never done it before to this scale. And on a few of my early campaigns, I did a couple. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, if you're if you're listening early on, then uh, you know. But um, otherwise, you know, hopefully, I'm I've, I've got high hopes. Right, right, cool. And so and and so you so as you said, each basically each one of your levels will have that open for the first seventy two hours, mm-hmm. and it's usually, you know, you know, looking at it, it's it, it's it's discounted. It's basically maybe like to a. a 
10% discount on some of that stuff. Yeah, it's like a good chunk of five, ten dollars, maybe more right. on some of the higher levels. Um, and uh, so, you know, hopefully that's appreciated by people who are getting in early. And of course, you know, as like everyone knows, the sort of repeated ad nauseum around the Kickstarter community, but those early days are really critical to a campaign success. So, um, you know, but I'm experimenting every time, trying to experiment with new things. Last time, the big experiment was the RPG. And that was that went incredibly well. Um, right. People had a huge response, so I'm coming back with another one, and you know, trying to iterate and do more things. And and so also too, would people be able to through this Kickstarter, like you've done in your previous ones, can access um, your other titles as well? Oh yeah, oh for sure. We've got uh, Vampire Detective in Space, which there's two issues of out now. And then my anthologies that I did a little while back, Modern Mythology, there's two volumes of that, and people can pick yeah. that up. Um, so, yeah, totally. So when you mentioned that, when you mentioned that Daryl kind of came up and kind of pitched the idea for what came out, what turned out to be issue four, and then you were able to elaborate on that, did that also give you some different world building ideas or different backstory ideas for the the major characters absolutely oh 100 yeah. um i mean uh, uh, one of the great things about daryl um and um you know any well every every artist every team works differently but um daryl is great because he cares about the story and he collaborates with me. We've had a lot of long conversations about the characters and he has spent as much time, it, frankly, if not more than me with those characters, right? Because of the hours that he's put in drawing them. And, um, and so he understands the characters as well as I do. And, cares about where they're going and has and he always has input for me um which is which is great which is i mean that's like a bonus i don't pay him to you know edit my stories i pay I, but he but he does it anyway because he because he cares about it which is awesome right. and um and so issue four um really spun out of those conversations portions of issue five and then like because i originally wrote the story issue one through five as as a a graphic novel originally um the influence that daryl has had has really crept into the ideas that are now forming for the second arc the issue six through ten issue 11 through 15 because um of course as as the story has changed that has a ripple effect to right. where it's like the changes are greater further along the line um so um there's there's big plots coming that are very influenced by the conversations that I've had with Daryl. And, and how much of this also, as you talk about the ripple effect that, that you've now had to explain more of the world building aspects of things as it kind of expands out. Cause you started off with a concept of a character and then kind of start build, built the world around it. And at what point do you as a writer have to get back to the character instead of spending a lot of time, in the world building aspect of things. So I try to center, I try to keep everything centered on the characters. Right. And one of the things about Unicorn Vampire Hunter that I think 
works really well for that is that the world itself is a fantasy world that I think doesn't require a lot of explanation. Yes, this is a world in which there's unicorns are extinct and he's the only unicorn. Um, and, um, you know, there are certain little rules of magic that are unique to this world, but, but for mm. the large part, it's like a, it's like a kind of generic fantasy world. And, and that's intentional because I want it to be familiar. So when people see a centaur show up or a wisp show up right, or whatever, they're not like, Oh, what is this? You have to explain this to me that like, they know what that is. You're reading right. a fairy tale. You know what that is. And, um, and so, um, I think that really allows me to put a heavy emphasis on the character. And sometimes I have to do world building stuff, but I try to tie it in as much as possible with the characters themselves and like the important things that happen in the world are very character driven. Right. Um, so when we get into the next arc, there will, you know, it like there'll be some more world building happening, but it will all coalesce back into, into the characters. And I also, uh, the, I, I really write in a sort of decompressed style, which I know is not revolutionary. This is like something that, that a lot of, uh, modern comic book writers do, but, um, but I really believe in less is more, um, right. with, with each issue. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to, uh, cram too much into an issue because I think giving the characters and the, and the scenes room to breathe helps those characters develop better. Right. And I know one point that you brought up in a previous interview too, is like, you'd like to answer any questions that you pose, you want to wrap things up. So will this issue five also be a, a specific end so that issues one through five are a standalone in a way, a standalone uh, story arc? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's definitely like an end that's like a very obvious like tie in or lead into the next arc. Mm -hmm. But um, but the the plot itself from from issue five, I mean, from the first five issues will will very much be wrapped up. The questions will be answered, kind of brings everything to a close. And there's not there really aren't big mysteries like it's mm -hmm. not. I'm not J.J. Abrams. I'm not doing a mystery box style storytelling. Um, I, I, with the other series that I'm writing right now about the detective in space, there is there's more of a mystery element to it. But even in that, I tend to answer the questions that I pose really quickly, just because um, I don't feel like withholding information intentionally is clever storytelling. But that's just my opinion. So as of this recording, so it's it's not live yet, but it's coming out on July 12th. So yeah. um, lots of people, uh, as we're recording, have signed up for that notification. Um, so hopefully um, all those people will be getting that email. Um, and if you're listening to this pre-recorded as podcast, we're live now. So, uh, you know, unicornvampirehunter.com is always going to redirect to whatever the most relevant current unicorn vampire hunter thing is, which right now happens to be the Kickstarter. Check it out. Make sure you get on there. If you get on there for the early bird, uh, that'll be, you know, get the good deals right there. And plus classically to the, the way you have it set up for the tiers, this is always to the point now where you're actually having issues one through five. This is the better deal too. If you're 
wanting to catch up and actually read Unicorn Vampire Hunter for the first time, there's no better time or better deal to get all five issues. So, Caleb, I'm looking at it. You came on on episode 39. You came on episode 92, 115, and 142, and now 182. So you are the inaugural You're the inaugural member of the Story Comic Presents Five Timers Club. So now I have to, I'm going to make a logo and everything. And so (laughs) look at that. Congratulations. All right. Thank you. Cool. All right. Well, once again, Caleb, thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. It's always a genuine pleasure to talk. And you always have some great comic book writer advice. So we really appreciate it. So um, once again, come back on again. So. Really, really enjoy it. I'll be happy to come back on. All right. (laughs) Thank you. And I know I, I did back with your Vampire Hunter in Space. Vampire Hunter in Space. Um, uh, unicorn, <laughs> unicorn Vampire Detective. No. Uh, but they have – you – I know, and i and I, I got to edit this part, part out too. I'm just like goofing around tonight. All right. Because um, I know I did back your previous one because I really want